Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com. Joined by Beaver's Edge writer and KEJO radio host, TJ Matthewson, back on the big pod. TJ, good to see you again, man. How's, uh, how's the week been for you? Uh, it's been good, Brendan. It was good to, good to finally get out to a game on Saturday. Finally. Fantastic yeah. atmosphere. I'm sure everyone who was there would agree. Like, you know, top-tier atmosphere. I was asking you and others, like, hey, how does this compare? And you're like, well, this doesn't happen too often. The, just the energy level. You know, you can always sell tickets, but that energy level was really felt unmatched. And I, I know USC felt it on Saturday, and it ended up being a real treat of a game to cover. Without question, and again, TJ alluded to it, uh, Oregon State fell to number seven USC, 17-14, and in real heartbreaking fashion at Reister Stadium uh, over the weekend as the Beavers, you know, played as good as a game defensively as you could have asked against, you know, a top 10 team. You know, they really kept Caleb Williams and uh, Jordan Addison in check, even though Addison, you know, got the late touchdown, but the majority of the game, uh, well below their offensive averages, played an incredible effort and unfortunately just wasn't enough as the offense just didn't have enough in the tank TJ to uh, overcome those four uh, interceptions <clears throat> from, uh, from Chance Nolan. Yeah. And it was really sort of an op. It was what a lot of what we've seen from this USC defense all season. And, you know, probably the optimistic outlook uh, before the game was well, you can only go so long turning your opponent over on average three and a half times a game without turning right. the ball over yourself. Right. No, uh, well, USC is due for a turnover or two, uh, and you know their their defense is probably going to miss out on turnovers because turnovers, some skill, a lot of luck. Right. <laughs> that, that that's uh, a lot of things got to go right for you to turn the ball over. And but USC came out four turnovers uh, for their defense. Oregon State turned the ball over four times on offense, didn't force turnover on defense. And in the end, that really was difference in the game. Ten points directly off those first two turnovers. That's exactly the margin. And you have the the one Travis Dye fumble deep in USC territory where where we were on our side of the field, Brendan, we were all the way on the south side of the field. Yeah. I couldn't see the ball come out. I just saw the pile. Right. People were closer to it. Of course, I host the postgame call-in show here on KEJO. And, you know, people were seeing the fumble. I'm like, well, I thought it moved out of feet. And they're like, no, TJ, the ball popped up like six feet in the air. It was up there for people to grab. And, and no, one, no one grabbed it. I was like, well, there you go. You, yeah. you get that ball, you score a touchdown, and I think it's 14-3 at that point, and it's probably game over because USC would probably really struggle to come back from that, um, from how they had moved the ball offensively all game. But, you know, the Trojans made the big plays, and especially think of that third interception. I think it was Tyjon Lindsey running that deep yeah. route. I forgot when we were getting video of him yesterday. I was trying to think while we are standing there. I'm like, was that Tyjon running the deep route? Yeah. The corner, yeah. I think it was. And the defensive back really just made a play on the ball. I didn't think yeah. Chance Nolan threw a terrible ball. I think the defensive back just ran a better route than Tyjon Lindsay, which is, again, why I don't think you can really blame Chance Nolan for all that. I mean, even Brian Lindgren yesterday was like, you know, he, he, Chance is the one throwing the picks, but, you know, Chance right. isn't the one blocking for himself, right? We have each of the first two interceptions. You have a free rusher right in his face, and Chance maybe has to throw it before he wants to, or he's got to throw the ball a little bit right. higher before – uh, to, just to get it over the guy that's in front of him and it ends up finding a defensive back. So really a collective right. effort. And again, on the Colin show again, there's some people saying chance shouldn't be starting anymore, which I'm just kind of puzzled at. Uh -huh. Bunch of hogwash. Uh, 
yeah, <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. you know, Ben Goldbranson on the road at Utah, 70,000, I think 76 straight sellouts for Utah yeah. against the best team in the conference. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, you know, I understand, you know, Oregon State fans, just like any of the rest of us, you know, super passionate. And, you know, TJ, when you and I caught up, you know, after that, I like, as that game was, was wrapping up, I was like, well, that kind of stunk. I mean, it was like, you know, it, it was right there for the taking for Oregon State. And, you know, it, it's definitely a tough one to swallow. And, you know, you saw from the post-game press conference, uh, Brandon Kipper, again, tremendous interview from that night when, you know, he talked about what the how the team, you know, has the ability to respond and, and, and how they can grow from uh, the game itself. But back to some of the points you made, I, I couldn't agree more upon, like, watching some of the, the, the game back again. Um, you know, full, fully, uh, like, true opinions here. That defensive back did make a great play. Was he maybe a little physical with Tajon? Could there maybe have been something called there? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I'll say, but like I think it was... goes both ways. And and Jonathan right. said on Monday he thought the referees let them play. Which, That's fair. You know, That's probably fair. benefited both sides. And and I think there was one, like I said, there's two interceptions from Nolan that I'm like, you know, hat in hands, like, okay, that's a bad mistake from him. There was another one where his hand got or arm got hit right as he threw. So that's kind of another one of them that, you know, yeah. his fault, not I, his fault, kind of more 50-50. So with all that considered, Chance Nolan did make some mistakes, TJ. But I put this more, this loss more on the offensive unit as a whole, and particularly the offensive yeah, 100%. offensive play calling staff, not to single out Brian Lindgren, but a little bit here. Chance Nolan was never able to get into a consistent rhythm, the running game, until they stumbled onto Jam Griffin. And I say stumbled because they gave Martinez and Fenwick their tries to get going first. It, it just didn't seem very cohesive or in sync at all offensively yeah. against Trojans. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. And we continue to hear this week that they're going to continue – going to continue rotating all three guys no matter what it seems like and jam griffin even yesterday came out and said i'm fine with 12 carries which maybe that's yeah. media talk to us and <laughs> you know make his coaches happy and such i don't right. know what he really thinks about the whole situation but it, it sounds like you know that's going to continue happening and and maybe maybe fenwick and martinez are a better matchup against a a, a more stout in you know maybe not quite as fast, but a little bit more physical of, of a Utah group that we're going to see this week. I believe the number is six rushing yards. They allowed ASU last week, I think was the final mm. total. Um, so maybe they would be a, be a better, you know, matchup against uh, like that bigger unit than, than a Jam Griffin would be. I don't know, but Jam Griffin matched up really well with USC and he was really gashing. It's good to hear from him this week. Finally, it was good to watch him play. I was very impressed. And I guess back to our like the little things on the on the referees. I did not come away from that game saying, "Oh my God, there's so many missed calls." This this one, I I did not. I honestly enjoyed the fact I didn't have to see much laundry on the field. Yeah. There was the one holding call on, on Trayshawn Harrison that changed the game. But I think it Jim did. Wilson, radio analyst for the Beavers, came out and said, "Look, he looked back at that play and said that is absolutely holding." Right. And, you know, if you if you break the rule, you break the rule, and the flag will be thrown. Right. And as I alluded to in my five takeaways piece from over the weekend, like, you know, Oregon State only had 35 penalty yards, TJ. But man, all 35 of those yards seemed extremely just massive for where they came in the game. Yeah, and, 100%. you know, and you talk about that Trayshawn drive, even still first glance, it should have still been a relatively closer field goal for Everett Hayes, more procedural penalties. They get backed up. It ends up being a really, you know, not a really long field goal. You know, Everett Hayes has been a little, little shaky this year. That's a topic we can get into. But regardless, mm -hmm. you know, it would have been a lot closer, you know, of a field goal, TJ. And I think 
that right there flipped the game. And then you look, finally, there were a lot of moments in the game. What were your thoughts on the fourth down where Caleb Williams, you know, scrambled for the first down? There's been a lot of back and forth, a lot of, oh, forward progress should have been called. You know, it's football. Me personally, I don't think you're going to get a blown whistle in that scenario. We've all heard of the famous Bush push, mm-hmm. especially with USC, man. So it, it, it it's play on, right? And that's yeah, where Oregon State's got to have more hats pushing him backwards than you know usc hats are pushing forwards you know or or you even go to the point where you have them there in the pocket like you did all game and you have rushers around him all game and you couldn't you only got him to the ground one time right that you make that play and you sack him in the backfield game's over yeah right you 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 do a better job of getting him to the ground initially on that on that stop on fourth down i mean you don't have to wait for forward progress get him on the ground Right. right right i mean these little things did his forward progress stop yeah it did but it doesn't mean the whistle's gonna blow because the referee's gonna give the quarterback an opportunity to continue going forward now if it looks like he's gonna get shoved backwards 20 yards then no right but, you know that, that that's football you if you watch enough football you know that play's not getting blown dead no way right. that agree you know lincoln riley and, and usc would come out furious with the pac-12 yeah. offices if 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 that play got blown dead and i you know Jonathan had no issue with it. None of the coaches said there was no. any issue with that play. And I don't think there should be. Again, right. there's no, no point where I'm thinking it's like, wow, man, Beavs really got robbed on that one. No, I don't think so. I think the Beavers just needed to get Caleb Williams to the ground, and they didn't. And that's right. that, that. then you get that fourth down conversion, and you throw that touchdown to Jordan Addison. Right. And, and you know, I, I think there were a lot of compounding things. So it's like we talked about, you know, the chance to own interceptions, the untimely penalties, you know, the inability to get Caleb Williams on the ground. It wasn't just one thing in this contest. And I think that's why ultimately, even though it was, you know, for lack of better terms, a hell of an effort uh, from Oregon State, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, uh, it, it just came up a little too short. You know, the turnover battle, the penalties, all of it combined just, you know, ultimately proved uh, just too much for Oregon State to overcome. But the good news is, TJ, they don't have to sit on that loss for very long as, you know, we're already midweek no. and uh, got another big-time challenge coming up this week. You know, that's the beauty of college football. Us media, we get to sit there and talk about it and, you know, analyze it for a week and talk about, oh, how's it going to feel when, you know, players and coaches, they flush it the next day, right? Already on to the next. The Beavers have been wired to Utah for a couple of days now, and they need to be because it's going to be one heck of a matchup uh, there in Salt Lake City, 11 a.m., uh, on the Pac-12 network. TJ, what are your uh, some of your first initial thoughts on this game as it's currently a 10-and-a-half-point favorite uh, for the Utes up there? It's in a pretty big line. Lake. Yeah, it's a big than line. I, I, can't say, I can't say I'm, can't say I'm too surprised. Uh, Utah, I don't know how many home games in a row they've won. I have it pulled up. Let me get, the, my, let me get my windows in order. Um, but <laughs> I'll say, I think, to add on to your last comment, I mean, Ty John Lindsay said it best last uh, yesterday. Cannot or yesterday, as we are sitting here on a Wednesday recording, so yeah. Tuesday said we can't let USC beat us twice, and that that's a fact. And again, it, it's probably a bad luck draw that you draw USC and Utah first two weeks of the Pac-12 right. season, but you don't want to go zero and two in conference, right? So that's why you look ahead to this week. Uh, I have the uh, the home numbers here. I mean, Utah uh, undefeated at home last year, uh, already undefeated at home this year. How many home games right. they played? Two, three. Two, I, uh, think. I, I that was. I think. I don't think. Uh, I got Two. to that yep. part of my research yet, but again, Rice Eccles, a tough place to play. They've sold the place out now. Uh, man, I 
I'm all over the place here. Um, <laughs> they, they sold out uh, 60 or 60 or something plus times. I think I think it's 70. Uh, I need to organize these a little bit better. But regardless, a really tough yeah. place to pay in playing and, and a different opponent i mean a really a really different style of football that you're going to have to play going from week to week usc a little bit more finesse and opportunistic and utah is just flat out good they crushed asu last week the sun Devils did not score a touchdown until two minutes and six seconds remaining in the game well two i mean minutes no and six seconds I, that is impressive but arizona state's a dumpster fuck so yeah, there is. They're, they, the, they're made. Some double alum will acknowledge that, that they are a dumpster <laughs> fire. But oh, I know. regardless, I, right? I mean, these are still, these are still Pac-12 athletes. And, you sure. know, ACU still does have some good offensive skill players sure. uh, yeah. on the field. But re- you're right. Like, you know, even if they come, they don't have uh, Brent Keithy. Brent? Yeah, it's yeah. Brent. Yeah. Um, Brent Keithy. You know, they're, they're still mighty tough. They have a lot of depth in that tight end room. And Trent Bray was yeah. echoing that today. He says they just churn out a bunch of those guys. So, it's something to look forward to. You, you have the, you know, the plus that you played them here at Reeser last year and beat them. Of course, the be- as we've seen, the Beavers on the road and the Beavers at home are a much different team. Right. So we're going to see how much that energy carries onto the road. Will there be a buttoned up? Will there be some penalties? Will the defense have some lapses? They're going to have, you know, they're going to have to tackle another mobile quarterback this week. Cam Rising right. is not just going to sit back there in the pocket. Right, and I think the, uh, the the there's a couple good things working in their favor in this matchup, TJ. I think, as you mentioned, Brent, Brent Keithy being out, as Luke Musgrave will be, that's an equalizer. That's a huge equalizer. Now, Utah has yeah. a bit of, you know, I think they have a bit more uh, established depth at the position than the Beavers do. I think, you know, depth. Mm-hmm. I think these are two of the best teams in Pac-12 when it comes to tight ends, um, but I think Utah's a little more established, so that'll be an interesting matchup. And then, um, you know, additionally – uh, the the as you mentioned, Rice Eccles, it, it's a tough place to play. It's going to be. In, I, I kind of like the eleven. Seventy two consecutive uh, sellouts, by the way. Found my note. Seventy two consecutive. Yeah, I mean it's a tough place to play. Eleven a.m. I think I prefer to seven. That way, everyone can. Uh, you know, not everyone gets a chance to like you know gear up as as I would say. Uh, you know, kind of getting ready for the I, game. I was going to say. I, I think we were due uh, an 11 a.m. kickoff oh. just to, to balance out the already two seven thirty kickoffs, to 630 and then an eight o'clock next week. <laughs> so, so which so, I, I, I'm not looking forward to eight o'clock. Yeah. So let me ask you this, TJ. I, and, and if you uh, already peeked at beaversedge.com, you'll know the answer. We put it in the, uh, the uh, match or uh, in the, some of our notes this week, but do you know the last time Oregon state beat Utah in Salt Lake city? 20, 2013. 58 51 48 do you know some of the ludicrous and ridiculous statistics that came out of that game uh how many receiving yards did brandon cooks have in that game 210 yards and three tutties it's pretty good and (laughs) while exactly and while you know researching for this game i went back and looked sean Mannion threw for 443 yards and five touchdowns in that game Oregon State could use a quarterback performance like that, even though I don't think it's quite in chance to yeah, the same way as Sean Mannion. But it's just, it's funny to, you know, look back and see, you know, that's nine years ago. That was a tremendous battle. I remember that game like it was yesterday. And, you know, uh, Oregon State was able to escape with the, with the win in overtime. And then you, you had a couple lean years where you traveled to Salt Lake under, uh, the old, the, the other coach, the, the other coach, shower, <laughs> shower, remain nameless. The further and further we get into the Smith era, he just will be re, remain nameless. Uh, but then obviously you go back there, TJ, in 2020, the COVID year, and 
Oregon State very nearly upset Utah in Salt Lake City. Granted, trying to remember, I think uh, the state of Utah had allowed some fans uh, into that stadium at the time. But again, don't quote me on that. It's a long time ago. A little, a little yeah, shaky. I'm, I'm like, it's hard to remember. Throw, I, I still think we could just throw out mostly everything for that year. I don't, it's, <laughs> it seems, no, it I seems thought, very, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I thought just as far as, um, as far as like being in that environment, Chance Nolan started that game. That was the first game after, if I'm c- remembering correctly, that was the first game after uh, Tristan Jebbia went down with the hamstring injury uh, against Oregon uh, uh, in the Civil War game. And then I believe that was Chance Nolan's first start uh, the very next week. And, you know, played. Uh, I believe you're correct. And he played, you know, pretty well for a quarterback you'd expect in his first start, I think he had a fumble late that ended up uh, costing the Beavers a chance to uh, uh, potentially tie that game. If I'm remembering correctly, again, a lot's happened in the last two years, TJ, that, that like you said, that 2020 years, a little, a little just kind of out there, but nevertheless, wonky. nevertheless, a uh, point in that being is that the Beavers are, they have some experience, particularly chance. Nolan has some experience playing in that environment, in that stadium. I don't think the Beavers are going to be intimidated by the moment at all, TJ. And I think again, playing a day game where from what I've seen in the past, Rice Eccles typically seems to bounce a little bit more at night than it does uh, during the day. So, you know, 11 a.m., that's early. And, you know, the players, I think we'll talk about it for sure, have to definitely change their body clock like way the other way after what they've had to do uh, to start the season. But, yeah, I I think the the, the way it's shaking up or shaping out, excuse me, Oregon State's definitely going to have a good chance to be in this game and have a solid chance to bounce back and get a win. Well, the Vegas spread I thought was interesting. Ten points, I mean, I'd say it's probably right, so that means that Utah was here would probably be about the same spread, I think, as USC was. So I I, I think they're, I guess, overall viewed on the the same sort of points or talent level, I guess, as USC, or at least Vegas thinks so. But, you know, this is like, I, I think, just such a tougher opponent. So USC is the only team in the Pac-12 and only one of five Power 5 programs that are ranked in the top 20 in both scoring and uh, scoring offense and defense. That's tough. So 19th in offense, 42 points a game. 13th on defense, 14 points allowed per game. Uh, lead the Pac-12 in first down defense, uh, first downs allowed, uh, and a whole bunch of other categories, time of possession, total defense, defensive efficiency, uh, passing efficiency on offense, passing efficiency on defense, et cetera. I mean, there's just so many, you know, just standout, you know, numbers there from, uh, from Utah. And again, like the, the, the one, I guess, sort of real team they played um, like real, real caliber opponent, Florida, they lost to, right. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, late interception there at the end of the game, you know, thought Utah was going to drive down and go score and win that game. They did not. Um, so, you know, they're not a, uh, I don't know if Utah's quite, you know, on the level of last year. Then again, the Beavs beat Utah last year, so right. that that makes this game ever more achievable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. A lot, a lot of things. You remember, Brendan had to had to really go the Beavers' way last year in the win. You had to have Utah fail on fourth down in the red zone twice. I think was the mm-hmm. count twice in the red zone on fourth down. So no touchdown score, no points at all uh, taken off the board. You needed BJ Baylor to just go absolutely bonkers on the ground. I mean, right. just cut through a uh, run defense, which, again, is going to be a little bit tougher, uh, especially since you don't really have an established runner here yet. And by that time last year, you absolutely had an established runner. B.J. Baylor was the number one guy. You ran right. him right at him. 
and he carved right through him. But you don't have that yet, right? You think you might have it in Jam Griffin, but if they're going to keep rotating all three guys, then I don't think that will quite get established. So just a couple other things to think about and, you know, um, managing Cam Rising. Don't fall behind like uh, like ASU did last week to, right. to Utah. Utah led 14-0 in the first quarter, and I think ASU had negative five yards on offense. You can say like last year, Oregon State was also behind 14-0 uh, in that game, but you know, not, it's not really a sustainable way to like win games. If you, you fall behind by two touchdowns in the first quarter, that leaves like a lot less of a lot less room for error. And when you're on the road facing, you know, arguably a top 10 team, that's not what you want. Yeah, no, I, I agreed on, on, on multiple fronts. And I think the other thing that's different this year, TJ, compared to last year is last year, you're right. BJ Baylor was established and he kind of established himself. I'd like to say, you know, maybe not, the Purdue game, but maybe shortly thereafter. I mean, the Purdue game was a pretty, pretty rough offensive showing for Oregon State in general. So, you know, maybe shortly after that. But the interesting thing is, I believe that was game seven last year for Oregon State. Uh, and, you, and it might have been game uh, six or seven for Utah as well compared to this year when it's only the fifth game of the year. So I think that's that's definitely interesting to get, you know, the teams a little earlier, a little earlier in conference because – Utah, you know, when they beat them last year in Corvallis, Utah then ran the table and didn't just run the table, like beat teams badly, like beat Oregon badly twice. Like, you know, they, they just started rolling up on teams and got a lot of confidence and that losing game in Corvallis turned out to be a springboard for the second half of their season uh, from there on. Again, not losing a game until they lost to Ohio State in the Rose yeah. Bowl. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, they don't lose that game to Oregon State. They're probably in the playoff, right? Like that's probably how it ends up if you think yeah. about it that way. So that, that honestly could be the, the caliber of team you're talking about Oregon state beating last year. Well, that's of course, last year, Utah's kind of already used that margin of error in the playoff. Of course, no two loss team has ever made the 14 playoff. Right. So they, they, right. they have no more room for error. They've already lost their one game this year and they'd most likely have to run the table in conference to be up to that caliber. Again, I'm not quite sure they are, especially losing uh, Fifi. Um, but they're still just such a formidable opponent. And I, I think it'll be, it, it's going to be, I think, a bigger challenge than USC was this past week. Maybe not on the offensive skill positions, right. but almost every other part of the field, I think Utah does it so well. Well, and, and not to mention, you know, from last year as well, you know, I, I, I think, you know, just from what I've been able to see, Utah's defense is, is good. They're always good. But I don't think they're quite as good as when they had Devin Lloyd last year, who, you know, was a first-round pick, you know, and is just, you know, playing great football for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now he was, you know, a massive part of what that defense did. And not to say they haven't been able to replace him. They pretty much have, uh, but he was just a special talent last year. And Oregon State, again, was able to find that success. So in this game, you know, kind of to put a wrap on on, on uh, preview in the Utes, TJ, I'm just kind of curious, what do you think Oregon State needs to do offensively to find success in this game? Because starting defensively, I think you just, you know, I, I don't think there's a whole lot to change. I think we saw a really good game plan last week against USC. Uh, I think we're seeing week by week this defense will run through a brick wall for Trent Bray and maybe even tease him yep. a little bit too. Tease him a little bit too. If you don't know what I mean, or check dunk out, him uh, in water. Yeah, <laughs> check out uh, TJ's interviews from uh, from Wednesday if you need to know uh, that inside joke. Awesome. I mean, it. I mean, for lack of better terms, TJ, could you ever have imagined um, the defender, any Oregon State defender, ever trying to joke around and tease with Tim Tibisar. I don't see it. Uh, I don't know. I don't uh, see maybe. 
Yeah, maybe. I don't see it, man. Uh, I'm not sure. I, you were around him a little bit longer than me. Yeah, I, I just I, I think, you know, like it's absolutely continues to amaze me how how starkly different and how you know stoic i guess the beavers used to be in their responses very measured very just kind of even keel all the time talking defensively now we're seeing you know the defense take on the personality and life of trent bray which is kind of aggressive you know attacking mentality especially on the defensive side of the ball and it really seems to me like you know those guys are having a lot of fun playing defense i can't necessarily say that was that way all the time but then again you had to build right when Oregon State first got yeah. here there was a lot of building being needed to had on defense and obviously Trent was a part of the staff that whole time but I just think I think Oregon State should be very pleased to know they've got a rising star I think on that side of the ball in, in Trent Bray and I think there's going to be you know if, if Beaver fans were impressed with this performance against USC I, I, I think you'll be pleased but I think there'll be more ish showings like that uh, throughout the year and especially maybe against some of the weaker yeah. teams like Colorado, so on and so forth. So what I kind of want to see this week, if you're a Beaver fan and what you probably want to see, you want to see this defensive performance on the road. We've seen them play very well at home, right? They've won now eight consecutive home games. If I'm counting correctly, I think eight is the number. Eight consecutive, we're not counting Portland, eight consecutive home games, unless I'm losing track. Anyways, prior to you, prior to you, of course. Prior to USC. Yeah, not yeah, prior to USC. Not not it was seven. Out, um, it was seven straight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, seven. Okay. Um, so that's why I get for spitting out numbers that I didn't research. Um but <laughs> oh, you good, wanna buddy. see that kind of defense. You want to think of that defensive performance. You want to see that on the road, right? Especially last year when they went on the road, it, it was like a very different team, right? And and it was against significantly worse teams than the team they're facing this week when weekend in the one true road game they right. played this year. That defense got shredded for five hundred yards. They they played well in the red zone but they gave up over 500 yards of offense to a very good quarterback, but still 500 yards is 500 yards. It's a lot, right? So you want to, yeah. And you're going to be facing as good, if not better of a quarterback this weekend with a better roster and a better defense on the other side. So you're going to want to have that defensive performance. You're going to need to, you will need to turn the ball over the amount you cannot. It is just, it's very hard to the, the best teams will always create opportunities to get turnovers to the Beavers did not create – they created one real good opportunity to turn the ball over against USC right. did not capitalize, right? And that uh, could have been the difference in the game. And when you're playing these really good teams, turnover – again, I always say turnovers and special teams can really, really, really swing the game even if right. you're not playing quite as well as you want to, which it's really hard to, like, play a perfect game, especially on the road. So that's something to think about. And, again, people were frustrated with him last week, but you need chance no one so bad. You need a you can't like a chance no one throws four interceptions. It's really hard to win. If you have chance no one chucking deep bombs and playing right. as good of a fourth quarter as we've ever seen from him, he'll drive you back from down double digits and you beat Fresno State on the road. I I I I I think that's a pretty consistent formula every week now for the for the Beavers to really be successful and to hit that seal. Right. No, I I think that those are two pretty good or two pretty great keys on both sides of the ball. Um, as you mentioned, taking that defensive performance on the road, that's huge. And let's see exactly how it is because the one time we've seen them play on the road this year, respectfully, they bent but didn't break. But Jake Hayner was able to get a lot of what he wanted. You know, the Fresno State was able to move the ball. They were able to put up points. Now, granted, Beavers held them to field goals. Big reason why that's a W on the on the win-loss record. But, you know, gave up more points than, you know, you would have expected with how well they played against USC two weeks later. So, like you said, definitely something to take into a hostile environment. We'll see how they how they match up, you know. Utah's always got, you know, 
big tight ends, you know, big physical running backs, not necessarily known for having, you know, uh, like dynamic receivers, but have guys that can make plays uh, as well. And then, like you said, on the flip side, I need to see the running game have a game. And you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, TJ, how the Beavers were able to just unleash VJ Baylor and then just kind of like ride their way back into the game a little bit last year. This year, yeah, you know, you know, four games into the year, you don't necessarily know who who that is, right? And I, I think Deshaun Fenwick has showed some things. He's obviously your leading rusher on the year. I think Damian Martinez came into the season with a, a lot of hype and I think definitely still has a lot of talent, but hasn't necessarily quite put together that performance we were looking for from him yet. And then Jam Griffin, maybe the most intriguing of the three to me, uh, you know, kind of overlooked a little bit throughout fall camp and kind of enters the depth chart a little bit of an unknown after coming over from Georgia Tech. But a four-star dude broke some big-time records in high school in Georgia and comes with a solid pedigree of talent. So I'm curious to see if he is able to kind of run with his opportunity, so to speak, uh, again, because I'm sure he'll get, you know, about the same amount of carries as he did against USC and see which of those three are able to get their ground game going. And then Chance Nolan's got to limit mistakes. You know, the, the, the funny thing is, TJ, is if, as we break this down, we could have been in a spot this week where we said the Beavers beat USC and Chance Nolan had three picks. Like he could have had three picks and they could have won. That's how close the game still was. So I'm not saying Chance Nolan needs to be flawless. I don't think any quarterback is necessarily going to be flawless in the game. Look at Caleb Williams this last week. But you got to limit the mistakes. Got to limit the mistakes. Got to limit the number of turns you give the other team. And, you know, is is a three and out and a punt with Luke Losher being able to flip field position better than an interception? Absolutely. That's where Chance Nolan's got to know if the play's not there, you got to just throw it away as opposed to, you know, a couple times we saw thrown into coverage, trying to make a play again. You know, I, I do think, you know, the competitor that he is, he'll bounce, he'll be in a good spot to bounce back. So that's what I'm looking for uh, in this game. Uh, anything else uh, you wanted to add to Jake? No, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. I'm going to be interested to see how they match up with Tavion Thomas. Uh, yes. one of the better backs. I think 20 touchdowns last year. Uh, I can't remember how much he played in the in the game last year. I don't remember. I don't remember if he was he running back one at that time. I, I, he hadn't I, really. I he was, I think. Yeah, he he was. He hadn't really been established yet. I think it was that game when he kind of started to get his get going. Uh, um, yeah. But no, I mean he hadn't really been the stud. He became more that stud mm-hmm. later in the year, particularly uh, when he ran all over Oregon. But you know, no biggie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. You got to keep him in check. You gotta, you know. Don't let Utah jump out double digits in the first quarter. Yeah. That cannot happen. No, like, no, like, no, it, it, it's going to be too tough to overcome. I mean, the odds of you coming back from that again, like you did last year's right. probably pretty slim. Right. And you, like you said, you got to limit the mistakes. Chance Nolan doesn't necessarily have to be turnover three, maybe four picks wouldn't be great, but you know, you can right. probably get away with one or two uh, over the course of the game. And that's banking on your defense, getting one or two as well, which I think they can do against Cam rising. I don't think the opportunities aren't there uh, to get some interceptions. You just got to be in the right spots at the right times and really force those opportunities. I, I don't think it's out of the question. The Beavers win this weekend. I would still think Utah is, you know, a pretty solid favorite at home. I think Vegas would agree 10 and a half points. That's, you know, multiple right. scores at home against another pretty good team. That shows you what they think of Utah, um, that you, the Utes are, are, are pretty good and, and tracking to try and get back to the Pac-12 championship game. The Beavs, you know, they got they got their stuff cut out in front of them. And again, if they lose this weekend, I it's not the end of the world. You still can run the – you can 
beat the rest of the teams, right? You go six and two in conference at, at, at the peak and you win double digit games, right? So I, I don't think that's the end of the world. I think it's going to be a tough one for the Bees this weekend. We're just going to have to see. And you can check back in tomorrow with our predictions. Most certainly. And again, yeah, make sure to check back to beaversedge.com. Or, or Friday. Yeah. yeah. Friday. Here we yeah, go. Already, we got our days on. We got our days on. <laughs> see, TJ is just excited for the game, man. He's already wanting to get here. Uh, well, I guess tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Thursday, yes. then, then tomorrow Your statement Friday. was true. So I guess I was, I guess I was technically correct. My man, right? My money, money, TJ, right there is on top of it. But yeah, yeah no, as TJ mentioned, uh, you know, make sure to check back into beaversedge.com. We got a whole lot more content uh, coming up uh, this week, both on the team and recruiting side. And then obviously, as he mentioned, we'll have predictions, injury reports, and all the, uh, all the good stuff uh, headed into Salt Lake City. So, TJ, appreciate you jumping on the pod as always, man. Talk to you uh, again always next week. Always good to be week. on. Appreciate it, man. And we'll be uh, breaking down uh, the Utah game and uh, looking ahead to the matchup uh, against Stanford on the farm, as TJ mentioned, uh, flip the clock the other way as we're going to an 8 p.m. kickoff. It's going to be a late night. For, for that one uh, down on the farm. So back-to-back road games for the Beavers. We'll be back next week to uh, break down the Utah game and uh, look ahead to Stanford. Again, big thanks to TJ Matthewson for joining us on this edition of the Edge podcast. And make sure to keep it locked beaversedge.com it is the place to be for oregon state coverage you can join free for 30 days get in get with your friends talk some beavers it's a good place to be again thank you again for listening to this edition of the podcast for tj matthewson this is brendan slaughter signing off